It was a pretty busy time in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, the beginning days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover, which would have been a period of eight days, seven days for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and of course the day for Passover. So a time span of about eight days. I'm sure Jerusalem was probably beaming with people from all of surrounding area and regions they all make their way into Jerusalem for the celebration of the feast especially of Passover and so as all of these are gathered in the city of Jerusalem from regions all around I'm sure the stir must have been as different ones are seeing each other probably friends neighbors so on talking chatting about because for them, most of them, it was just another week. It was just another eight days, just another feast of unleavened bread, just another Passover. Things had continued just like they had continued all along. But unbeknownst to them, this particular week was going to be different. Matter of fact, it's interesting when you look at the Scripture... Matter of fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the gospel writers, give us insight into the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. You see, the hour for Jesus Christ had come because now to all of those who are going to be there, he is going to begin his last final trek as he makes his way to the cross. And so for all of the details that are surrounding this event and this time frame, as I said, everything is basically going to occur as it has in the past with the exception of this one named Jesus. He's going to come riding into Jerusalem. Starting his journey, of course, by foot, him and his disciples would make their way coming up from Jericho, headed up towards Jerusalem. Making that journey and that trek across there as they would go, of course, to Bethphage. And uh, Bethany was also near there. They would make their way into the city of Jerusalem by way of the eastern gate. They would come up from Jericho. They would come across the slopes of the Mount of Olives. And down from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley into the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus would make his triumphal entry. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 21 is the account that we will use this morning. But as I said, it's located in Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, as well as John chapter 12. And so you can go through and read each of those accounts. And what's interesting is each one of the gospel writers gives us a little bit of further insight into this triumphal entry all from a different perspective as they wrote uh, concerning Jesus Christ of course from a different perspective as well so in chapter 21 of the gospel of Matthew beginning in verse number one and so when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them 
go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her untie them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet say to the daughter of Zion behold your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey even on a colt foal of a beast of burden the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats and most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road the crowds going ahead of him And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. It's interesting when you look at Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest comes from Psalm 118. And it's an interesting psalm when you go and you read that psalm. That psalm is known as a Halil psalm or a psalm of praise. Oftentimes this psalm would be... uh, chanted it would be sung um, it would be spoken from at several of the different feast times and so you would find that they would have been very acquainted with this particular with this particular psalm but as you come to the gospels and you come to the triumphal entry the time had come for the climatic arrival in Jerusalem It was present. You see, the time had come. This was not some afterthought with God. This was not something that just happened to, by coincidence, occur at this particular week, at this particular time during the Feast of Unleavened Bread is Passover. Because when you consider this, Jesus Christ is the Passover Lamb. That's who He is. As the lamb is brought before shears, is dumb and led before the slaughter. You see, the timing was as as God saw to the timing. It was specified, it was spoken of by the prophets. All of these people have gathered. Listen, it was no coincidence that you had all of these millions of people gathered in Jerusalem from regions all around the area made their trek to Jerusalem. It was, no, it was no coincidence that Jesus is in Jerusalem at this point in time. Jesus and the group that accompanied him had traveled down a very common road, and, and I would imagine that as Jesus made his way, Jesus knowing, knowing what was coming And if I could get you to to just think about this with me this morning. The disciples didn't know. 
disciples did not know for sure what was getting ready to take place. All they knew is Jesus must needs go to Jerusalem. He had to go to Jerusalem. And he had been warned before not to go there because the religious crowd that was there, the religious establishment that was there, the Pharisees, Matter of fact, if he were to come into Jerusalem, he would be taking his life into his own hands. But it was time to go to Jerusalem because it was his hour. What's also interesting, it's prophesied by Zechariah the prophet in chapter 9 and verse number 9 of exactly the way he would enter into Jerusalem. As the description is given to us here in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 5. So we know from the prophet exactly the way that Jesus, the Messiah, would enter into the city of Jerusalem. And not only that, but Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at the very time prophesied by Daniel. Matter of fact, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter 9, prophesied by Daniel. As the details are given to us, the 70 weeks of Daniel, the 70 weeks of Daniel prophetic, the 70 weeks of Daniel as it unfolds into the last days and the end times when things are going to begin to come together. And it's interesting that we have all these time elements and, and we find them in Daniel chapter 9 beginning in verse 25. So you're to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven Weeks. What does that mean until Messiah the Prince? It's till he makes his entry into Jerusalem. And then we see in 62 weeks it will be built again with plaza and moat even in the times of distress. Verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. In other words, his crucifixion. So he's going to come into Jerusalem. We see in verse 25 his crucifixion is prophesied for us in Verse 26. But let's go back to Matthew 21. As the prophet spoken of here, when you look at Matthew chapter 21, and when you look at verse number 11, it's interesting that they refer to him as the prophet Jesus. The prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Deuteronomy chapter 18 we find that even Moses spoke of this one as the prophet. He is the one spoken of by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. So that's who he is. Not a coincidence that he's here. It is not a coincidence that he is coming in the way that he's coming to Jerusalem. It's no coincidence that he enters through the eastern gate it is no coincidence that jesus is there my dear friend let me share something with you today it's no coincidence that you're here today 
in God's timing under the moving hand of a sovereign God as God orchestrates and as God puts all of this together as Jesus Christ is going to make this final trek to the cross of Calvary Jesus is coming into Jerusalem what is the significance of his entry that he makes through the eastern gate of what we often refer to as the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. What is the significance of this coming into Jerusalem? Well, let me say this to you this morning. It was an act of mercy and grace. An act of mercy and grace to all of those who would be there. Jesus made his entry as a king and the people cried, Hosanna. That's interesting when you look at verse 9, the crowds going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. Oh, save us now. Or save us now is the transliteration that we get from the Hebrew. Save us now. Oh, save us now. To the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord Hosanna in the prophet or in the highest. This one who had come. Who is he? That's the question that is asked. Quoting from Psalm 118. Hosanna to the Son of David. And let me say this this morning. The people were right in their belief that he was the Messiah the son of David and that he came in the name of the Lord why that was spoken by the prophets it's spoken from the book of Psalm so were they correct sure they were were they right in their belief in who he was sure they were but they were wrong in their belief about the kind of deliverer that he was this one who had come riding into the city of Jerusalem through the eastern gate the deliverer that they just thought sure had come was going to once again establish an earthly kingdom on the earth As a matter of fact he was going to come riding into Jerusalem and set them free and set them free from what set them free from being under Roman oppression they just knew he'd finally come they just knew this one that was a deliverer that had come was going to be the one who was going to set them free. That's who they thought that he was. They knew he was a king, but they did not understand the nature of his kingship or his kingdom. That's the part that was difficult. That's the part that they struggled with. I mean, when you look at verse number 11, they refer to him as the prophet Jesus of Nazareth, the town from which he hailed from, called him a prophet. Matter of fact, several occasions that we have in the Gospels, they refer to him as rabbi or teacher. But who was he? Who is this one? Is he missed today? Sure he is. Is his actual understanding, is the actual understanding of who he is missed today? Sure it is. 
How many of us have heard others who have referred to him as a, as a great teacher or as a, as a great prophet? And let me tell you something, he was a great teacher. He's prophet, priest, and king. That's who he is. He's the greatest of all the prophets that's ever been. He is the king of all kings. He is the teacher of all teachers. That's who he is. Not a deliverer from Roman oppression, but the very king of kings and the Lord of lords, the teacher above all teachers. So what is this mark? This coming into Jerusalem, coming in through the eastern gate, what is the significance still of all of this that occurs at this particular week? This marks the official presentation of Jesus to the nation of Israel as the rightful son of David. It's who he's presented as. It's amazing to me that when he comes into the city, they shout Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But it's not long before this very crowd who shouted Hosanna now turns their shout to crucify. Who were they looking for? They were looking for a deliverer that would deliver them from Roman oppression, not deliver them from what they needed deliverance from in their own life. It's amazing to me today if what we look for, we are looking for deliverance in our own selfish desires, something to take care of, what we need taking care of right now not understanding and realizing who this one Jesus Christ is but it was not long and the people turned on him after they realized that he did not come to deliver them from the Romans matter of fact let's go to Luke's gospel turn with me to Luke chapter 19 and I want you to notice Luke gives us a little bit more insight into what what is taking place and I want to start in verse 37 Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 37 Luke chapter 19 verse 37 as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice all the miracles which they had seen shouting blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord peace and heaven and glory in the highest and now notice verse 39 some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him teacher rebuke your disciples let me put it in today's vernacular for you would you please make them shut up but Jesus answered he turned and he spoke to the Pharisees I tell you if these became silent even the stones themselves would cry out you know sometimes I don't think we fully comprehend and understand this my dear friend the privilege that we have to praise him 
See, it's a privilege for us to be able to praise him for who he is. When you consider the magnitude of that statement, if for some reason we did not, have you ever read the book of the Revelation around the throne of God? There are those that are around the throne of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and guess what they're doing? They're praising him. And you and I today have the privilege to be able to praise him. But it doesn't matter if we don't. He will not go without praise. Creation itself praises him. Psalm chapter 19 said, The heavens declare the very glory of God and the firmament is handiwork. And we have the privilege to praise this one who created it all. The one who rode into the city of Jerusalem, just as it was prophesied. Not to deliver them from Roman bondage, but to bring life and to bring life everlasting. That's who he is. That's who this Jesus is. Verse 41. So when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, the city of peace. Guess what he began to do? He began to weep over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Let's go back to Matthew 21. Imagine Jesus. You know, it's interesting when you read the Gospels because it also records for us that he came into his own and his own received him not. He came to bring life. And to bring it more abundantly. Folks, please listen to me today. And even those who are listening online, Jesus Christ came to bring you life. Crucify him. Crucify him. That was their response. And this triumphal entry, just as the prophets had determined. And all of this as it unfolds now forced the Jewish leaders to act. Now it has been set into motion. And now more aggressively than they ever had, they're going to seek to put him to death, to silence him, to hush him, to hush the message. My dear friend, listen to me. Satan has been trying to crush the message the life-giving message of Jesus Christ for centuries, and it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. As far as they were concerned, Jesus had to be eliminated. Matthew chapter 21, verse 10. So when he entered Jerusalem, all of the city was stirred. Could you imagine listening to the talk 
as it begins to make its way throughout all of the outlying areas there within inside of the city of Jerusalem. And even right on the outside of Jerusalem. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this one? Come riding in on a colt. Untie them and bring them to me. You see, normally a king would come riding in on a stallion. Jesus came riding in just as the prophet said that he would on colt the fold of a donkey this this tends to be a tough week for me. And I'll tell you why. As I consider in my own life, and I, and I trust and pray that each of you here watching online, just think about this week. Just allow your, allow your heart and your mind to fully take in the significance of this week what's amazing to me is the the numbers in our churches will be up all around the world it'll be celebrated from today all the way through next Sunday and then starting next Monday things will just go back to normal I read through all four of the gospel accounts for us we have it all recorded for us we know what took place could you imagine being those in the city of Jerusalem they didn't, have, they didn't know what was coming but God did they didn't know what was going to eventually take place but God did So do I find myself kind of at a loss of words this morning? I, I do. Let me tell you why. Because there's just not a, enough words that I have to begin to, to express to you what this week means to me. For a loving father... send his only son to pay a debt that I could never pay let me ask you a question does it do, does it do anything to your heart when you consider it strictly because strictly because of his mercy and his grace 
come riding into Jerusalem. Why do you come riding into Jerusalem? It was an act of mercy and grace. Do you understand that your salvation today is an act of mercy and grace? He came to serve, not to be served. He came to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. I call you friend. Do we comprehend and understand that all of that came as a result of what we find in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8? But while we were yet sinners, he proved his love to us. Do, do you understand the magnitude of that? While you were an enemy of his, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friend. You understand and realize that all that we have today comes as a result of mercy and grace. Do any of us in this building here this morning think for a minute that we in some possible way that there's enough within us that we're justified to say that we deserve what we have? No. So as we live our life every day and every week, do we live our life in light of understanding that there's not enough time, there's not enough life left within us to ever, ever, ever begin to give back to Him what He did for us. And I guess that's why I struggle so much with this week. Because I, I, I know where I used to be. I knew the road that I used to be on. I live with it every day in my own life, day after day, week after week, year after year. And to think that He loved me enough that I'll get to spend eternity with Him. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His precious blood. We're made whole. So let me ask you a question. What motivates you each day? Do you get up praising Him each day? Do we get up honoring Him each day? Do we get up serving Him with our lives each day? Is it easy for us sometimes to get caught up in the routines and the affairs of life every day that we lose sight of who he is they ask the question who is this who is this one so my question to you today is who is he to you who is he to you have you answered that question and then verse 11 of matthew 21 it says and the crowds were saved this is who they saw him as this is the prophet Jesus.
from Nazareth in Galilee. It's amazing to me today. As a matter of fact, those that were gathered in Jerusalem, they wanted Jesus on their own terms. Not God's. They wanted him on their own terms. Let me say this today. This is not in a mean this is not in a mean way at all. Please listen to me. But that's a major problem today. We want Jesus on our own terms. And as long as he fits our own terms, then he's okay. You see, many people are open to a Jesus that they define. One that will satisfy their selfish desires. You see, it gets more difficult when His Word confronts us with our sin and our need of a Savior. What did they do? They cursed him and turned him away. See, that's what happens. When his word confronts us with our own sin, it's easy to curse him and turn him away. And guess what? People still miss him today. People still miss him today. Who is he? Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. As John the Baptist saw and exclaimed of this one, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's who he is. My question to you today is, do you know him? Do you know him in your heart and in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the account that we have. And Father, all this week, as we make our way from the eastern gate of the city up through the crucifixion, and each day next week, as we look at all the events of the week, from his entry to the Passover meal, to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the betrayal, Father, all of these events that are recorded for us, Father, words just seem inadequate. Father, may we not just give words, but may we give our lives to you. Father, I pray this morning that your word would accomplish what you intend for it to. You promised that your word would not return unto you void. But Father, as I look across this auditorium this morning and all those who are listening via live stream Father I pray that we can answer the question of who is he as John the baptizer exclaimed
Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins.